Welcome to the Greater Church Podcast. We are praying that wherever you find yourself on the journey, that this message will be an encouragement and blessing to you. And now, here's today's message. Hey, today I'm reading from Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. And a lot of scripture, we're going to get some Bible in. It says, for it will be like a man going on a journey. Here is Jesus. He's giving a parable. And he begins it like this. For it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted to them his property. Everybody say his property. To one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one. To each one according to his ability. Then he went away. He who had received the five talents went at once and traded with them. You should underline that. He traded with them and he made five more talents. So also he who had two talents made two talents more. But he who had received the one talent went and dug it in the ground and hid his master's money. Now long after the now now after a long time the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And he who had received the five talents came forward bringing five more talents saying, "Master, you delivered to me five talents. Here I have made five talents more." His master said to him, "Watch this." well done good and faithful servants you have been faithful over the little i will set you over much enter into the joy of your master he also who had two talents came forward saying master you delivered to me two talents here i have made two talents more his master said to him i I want you to see these words because for so long i thought in my christian walk that when i got to heaven The gates were going to open up. Peter was going to have Chick-fil-A sandwiches. And I was going to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into your father's rest. I thought that was how they greet people when you get to the gates of heaven. But now I'm reading the scripture and I'm seeing that well done, good and faithful servant was really about what you do with the finances that God entrusts you with. The master said to him, well done good and faithful servant you have been faithful over the little i will set you over much enter into the joy of your master then it happened he who had received one talent came forward saying master i knew you to be a hard man reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you scattered no seed so i was afraid And I went and I hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master answered and said to him, You wicked and slothful servant. You knew that I reap where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered, where I scattered no seed. Then you ought to have invested my money with interest. And then you should have invested my money with the bankers. And at my coming, I should have received what was my own with interest interest so take the talent from him and give it to the one who has 10 talents for to everyone who has more will be given and he will be sorry for everyone who has more will be given and will have an abundance but though from the one who has not even what he has will be taken away and cast the worthless servant into the utter darkness in the place where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth gnashing of teeth today My hope and my desire is that you would catch what I'm teaching. My hope and my desire is that you would rewire your brain and some of the things that you have been taught for so long. Because we're going to look at scripture and we're going to allow the Bible to teach us. 
hopefully you'll receive some stuff that's going to change the rest of your life would you do me a favor and i want you to write as a title to this message the word rewire I want you to write the word rewire. That is the title of this message, a subject that I'm going to be speaking to you from. Father, I love you. I thank you, Lord God, for this opportunity that we have to come into your presence. Oh God, I pray that today we would hear your words, Lord, that we would see you clearly and that we would act in obedience and boldness, Father. Lord, I love you and I thank you for what you're going to do in the people of God today, Lord. It's in your beautiful name that we pray, Lord. Amen and amen. Rewire, rewire. Last week, I had, I had a crazy week. I decided to take my 30-minute lunch break at work, and I decided to say, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to try to go get an oil change. Y'all say, that's stupid, Chino. I thought I was going to make it, bro. I had all the intentions in the world. It was raining. There was nobody there. I'm like, bro, I got this. Like, I'm just going to turn skirt. I went in. I said, I'm going to turn in, and I'm going to just get an oil change. An hour and a half later, I sat there and I told the lady, ma'am, where, my car, I'm, I've been waiting for about an hour and a half. And the lady was like, oh, let me find out for you. And she goes in and she's like, hey, actually, um, you're next in line. You only have one more car in front of you. To which I almost lost my ever-loving mind. But then I remembered that I'm a man of God. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. In Jesus' name. And I said, ma'am, I can't do this. Like, this is crazy. Like, I'm, I'm not, I, I can't do this. Like, this is way too much. And, and I, I, I was, I mean, I was just so frustrated, bro. I had to get in my car and I had to explain to my boss why I was an hour and a half late. <laughs> Actually, I didn't even explain it. I, I used to have Jason. Jason would just kind of like cover for me and pick all my stuff, but like he wasn't there. So today I had to, I had to kind of work that thing out. It's crazy because as you start seeing in life, right? Like there are things that one little thing will affect your entire day. I mean, it's just that easy. I sat there at that, um, at that, dealership i'm not gonna tell you which dealership it was um but when i sat there in paul dean chrysler dodge jeep um i was on my computer and i noticed that my computer was like super slow so i took the time of what was happening there to try to like clean out my computer and i started dumping old files and different things you start saving the weirdest screenshots to send to people like and your computer your phone does the same thing i'm erasing all of this stuff and that's why i didn't notice that i was there for an hour and a half and i noticed that my computer started kind of working a little fast it's the little things that affect the big things it's always this idea that if you work on something small it'll start affecting something bigger if you start eating better you start feeling better the worse you eat, the worse you feel. And this idea that it's something as simple as you just changing your diet. I have a friend of mine, his name is Ross Wiseman. He's a pastor of Momentum Church who have been an absolute blessing to us when we first started. And he was one of the ones that he started teaching and he's teaching people that the way that you eat can help so much. Before you get into the gym, you got to figure out what you're eating. That's the first thing you got to do because you can go to the gym as much as you want. If you're not eating correctly, you're just going to counteract all of that. It has to be a rewiring of your mind that has to exist. I remember probably Jesus. This had to have been 10 plus years ago. Um, the reason why I'm wearing this, uh, this loud orange shirt is because I am holy and orange is the color of holy. No, um, it's actually this V in here. It's actually the church that my wife's dad um, has been a part of for Jesus. Lived 50 years, close to it. Almost 50 years he's been a part of this church and a new pastor has come in there and he has been absolutely amazing. Jonathan and his wife Rebecca and I love them and they made a merch line and I said, I'm going to wear it because I want to shout out my father-in-law. The reason why was because I remember um, my entire life, 
I have lived under this mindset. Um, and this mindset has been so hurtful. And I'll explain to you what that means in a second. But I remember one day, we were actually thinking about purchasing the house that was next to his house. And you know, I had faith. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do this thing. And I was a professional volunteer minister full-time. I was in full-time volunteer ministry, meaning that I was full-time broke. But I thought to myself, and I hate that churches will grab full-time volunteers and give you 50, 60 hours a day, use you and abuse you, break you, give you no money, and then send you on your way and say, God bless you, do your best, you're on your own. My heart was excited about purchasing this home. And then we started breaking down the numbers. And when we started breaking down the numbers, he said something to me that absolutely blew my mind. He said, Chino, you need, you need to get a job. Like you need to get, you need to get like real income coming into your life. And he had a, a couple of other things that he talked to us about. And from that moment, there was a shift that happened in my life. We were absolutely broke. When I tell you we were living off of government assistance, we had, I mean, no money. We were food stamping it and we were giving 20% of our income to the church because we believe I'm going to tithe our way out of this thing because this is what we've learned. And thank God that God saw it fit to honor our stupidity and actually help us and bless us. I believe that he saw something that was genuine in our heart. But what happened was that Horatio Villazon, her dad, he said something to me that spurred me and took me into a totally different journey. And my wife has been the rock of our family. There are times that I don't even know what I make. I just give it to my wife. I don't know anything. And she has been such a steward of the finances that God has given us. I grew up living check to check. Saving, investing, what the heck is that? We, we have to pay the bills. But I had, I had the most broken mindset. Because my mind and my heart was always thinking, I'll never have anything. I just got to live with what we have. Uh, I want to give you an apology. Because of that mindset, over the last few years here at Greater Church, I think I've been... I've been very critical and I've actually even made fun of the idea of the prosperity gospel, right? Like I've always talked about how the prosperity gospel is stupid. Like you get a new car and you get all this. Yeah, you could do that and it's work. W-O-R-K, go get a job, save your money, buy your car, all of that stuff. And I started thinking even if I was writing this message that it can be very dangerous for me to tell you things like that. Because you will run the opposite side of the prosperity gospel. I'll explain to you just in a second. Because you'll sit, your, you'll sit yourself in a space where you're just like, yeah, man, this prosperity gospel is so stupid. And you will even be offended when somebody tells you that God wants to bless you. That he actually wants to prosper you. What I'm saying when I speak against the prosperity gospel is this idea that God wants you to have houses, cars, everything that you want. And if you don't have it, here's what I'm saying. And if you don't have it, it's because there's sin in your life. Because you're not reading your Bible enough. Because you haven't prayed enough. And it's sad because those guys who preach the prosperity gospel, on the other side of telling you that you're in sin because you're not prosperous, they ask you to sow a seed. Would you sow a seed into this thing to activate it in your life? And it's just like... You know, me and Lid, we, we've had moments, I've had moments because she's definitely not that person. I've had moments where I've been sitting in front of a TV broke, didn't have a job, giving 20% of our income because we're like, bro, God is going to take care of us. And I've sown a seed going into a credit card and taking money that we didn't have because I'm like, God, you're going to do it. There's something wrong with me and I need to break this thing. And yo, that is such a poverty mindset. Because see, if you live in a, in a, in a prosperity 
gospel world, you start to think to yourself, there's something I'm doing wrong because I'm not getting what God has for me. And it breaks you. But then what happens is that you can run to a completely other side. I live my entire life living in a poverty mindset. I was 24 years old when I met Lydia. And when we got married, I was 26 years old. And at the age of 26, I'm embarrassed to say this. I thought the only people that can purchase a home were rich people. I thought you had to rent. That's the lot that was given to us. I thought that you always had to live in credit card debt. I thought that you always had to pay for things that you didn't have with credit. I always thought to myself, and little by little, my wife started breaking those thought patterns in my life and started rewiring my mind. You have to be very careful because before you know it, you'll start living in a poverty mindset and you'll start making some choices. These things are more caught than taught, meaning you see these things happening in your family and you live them and you replicate these things. Y'all worried about catching COVID. Y'all been struggling with the prosperity, I mean with the poverty gospel for a very long time. I can show you. I'm gonna ask you a couple questions. Don't 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 listen to me and don't get offended if I if I if I kind of get in your business because I want to show you something. Alan White said a poverty mentality is one that influences behaviors consistent with beliefs that money shouldn't be spent. Opportunities are limited. Any and all risk is dangerous any success is temporary and non-replicable and generally remaining in the back of the pack is the safest thing to do when God wants to bless you I want you to see this Deuteronomy chapter 28 verse 8 the Lord will command everybody say command the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all of which you set your hand Meaning that God will prosper everything that you put your hand to. And he will bless you in the land which the Lord is giving to you. How do you know that you have a poverty mindset? How is it that you, that you can see things and know, I got the symptoms of poverty. Number one, don't answer any of these. I'm going to just talk to them real quick. But I want you to think about this. Do you feel better when you get a hookup from somebody? Like you didn't have to pay full price or do you feel better when you're giving somebody a tip and being generous to somebody at a restaurant on Sunday, which workers hate to be because church people are the stingiest people in the world. That girl been walking back and forth, getting your freaking Arnold Palmer four different times for 13 different church folk and you giving her $2 on a $55 check. I'm sorry. Do you feel better getting a hookup or giving somebody a tip? Do you think more about saving or earning? Are you more comfortable with saving your money or are you thinking about earning money? Watch this. In your heart, do you have negative feelings towards rich people? When you're asked to be generous, do you get defensive? Oh, the church is asking for money. He's stealing it. Or do you see the big picture? I'm actually doing something. Watch this. I'm just asking you. You know, these are symptoms. If the shoe fit, wear that mug, bro. Do you hate to go out to eat with someone because you hate when the bill comes and you have to split it? It's that weird moment. Do we split it? Like, I don't know. I hate, I don't want to eat with you. Oh my God, I hate this. Are you terrified of risks? Do you buy Publix brand items? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. It's the same. That's my wife. I, that's me and my wife. We have an inside joke. She's like, it tastes the same. No, it doesn't, but whatever. I love it. Stop. Stop. Stop, stop, stop. I just split households right now. I just brought, I just split a household. They were like, I told you. Stop, 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 stop. Public side of the same thing. Hey, you have to be very careful. 
Because when you start to live in a poverty mindset, you'll start shunning opportunities and your heart will start shifting into places that, yo, God doesn't want to. Do you want to get to a place in your life where you never need a hookup? Like I want to be in a place and I'm slowly getting to a place where I don't want to hook up. I don't want your Netflix password. Like I want to be able to get to a place, man, where I am financially okay and I can be generous to people. I look at stuff like me and my wife, we had hours of conversation sitting there and I'm trying to wrap my head around the idea of taxes. And I'm like, for so long in my life, I was so excited because you get a kickback. I get three, $4,000 back. Let's go. We're, we're doing everything. Now we're like freaking buying furniture and stuff. It's crazy. But I'm like, I'm so excited about it. But then I started thinking about it. I was like, dang. And my wife kind of, she schooled me on a lot of this stuff. So please, you know, understand that a lot of what you're getting back is stuff that you have paid. So the government has your money and they're not paying interest. They just have your money and then they give you back your money. I, I told my wife, babe, I'm excited that this next year I have to pay taxes. And like, what? And I'm like, I'm excited because that means I've started my own business. I have 10 I have, my, I have to think about stuff and the government isn't using my money without my blessing. And I actually, I'm just going to give them a little bit back. So meaning if I get back, if I made, if I paid $10,000 over what I was supposed to pay in taxes, the government is going to give me $3,000 back. I know lid. It's the credits. It's in credits. I understand that world. They're going to give me back $3,000 out of the 10 that I, that I was supposed to give them. Where in actuality, now I'm only paying 500 to $900, maybe a thousand dollars in taxes at the end of the year because I started my own business. I'm, I'm going too deep in stuff, but I want you to understand, I don't want to ever be excited about getting kickbacks and taxes anymore. It, it's a mindset, bro, and it's mind-boggling for us to even think about it. I'm going to show you this. For you to kind of walk out of that space, for you to walk into a space where you're no longer worried about having a poverty mentality, but you're actually moving into wealth and being able to create it. I've talked to you about giving long enough. You got two weeks of incredible teaching on how to give. If you're not giving your tithe and you're not doing that, bro, it's not my responsibility, bro. That's something that's between you and God. I've done my teaching, but I would be wrong and I would be on the wrong side of this teaching podium thingamajigger if I didn't teach you how to manage and how to build wealth in your own personal life. So hopefully today I can rewire some things in your mind so that you can see it. For some of us, this is stuff that we already do. Like, I mean, the stuff that I'm going to tell you, it's like, oh, yeah, I've done that. But I want to give some legs to the reason why you do that. For you to be able to start five steps to build wealth, to move out of a poverty mindset, move away from the prosperity gospel, but find yourself in a space where you can actually begin to build wealth. Number one, I want you to write this down. Number one, you have to make a written budget. For some of us, it's like, oh, yeah, we do that already. My wife has a spreadsheet. She showed me the spreadsheet, and I'm like, I almost threw up. You know I mean? She has everything in there. But, but here's what I want you to see. Luke chapter 14, verse 28. For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it? There goes another broke Christian. There goes another broke pastor. There goes another church going under that doesn't have money. There goes another church that when you ask them, hey, I need rent, they don't have it for you. There goes another person right now in your family that went down the same path of bankruptcy that caused divorce, that broke up the family unit. For which of you intending to build a tower doesn't sit down first and say, yo, let me count the costs. What is this going to look like? 
We're getting married right now. Or we've been married for a while and we haven't done it. And yo, don't sit here and wear it. Oh my God, I feel so shameful. I don't have that. No, no, no. You can begin to have that. As a matter of fact, my wife, we've been talking about it. And I also been talking with Alfonso. We're going to sit down and we're going to actually have a class where we can teach you how to do these things and walk through a budget with you so that you can write it down. But you can go to everydollar.com. Dave Ramsey has a free online tool for you to be able to create your budget. But it's not that hard for you to do. Just think about how much is it that you're spending? How much is it that you're earning? And how much is it that you're spending? And start to watch that because I promise you it's going to help you. You're going to notice why am I paying so much for this like I can shop this thing around and knock this down $50 plus $50 plus $25 plus $25 plus $50 plus $100 that's $200 that you're just giving away a month and you don't even know that you're doing it because you haven't set a budget up I think it's super important we cannot ask God to bless us if we're disorganized nothing works in our life the money comes in and it goes out and we're saying God give me more money and it's like Yo, God is not going to bless that. He's going to bless wise stewards. We just learned about it in the parable of the talents. If you grab it and throw it in the ground, you're not going to double it up. That's not the way that this thing works. I, I just want you to understand that because the opposite side of that, the most dangerous thought in the world is this idea that I'm supposed to struggle. I'm supposed to live check to check. This is my life, like my family. This is how I'm supposed to live. That is a lie from the devil. It doesn't matter your pedigree. doesn't matter how much you had, how much you were born with. If you had a silver spoon, if you had a gold spoon, or if you had a freaking plastic spoon from McDonald's in your mouth when you grew up. Yo, God wants you to shape these things up so that you can actually begin to move in wealth. I want you to see this. Because for so long we taught this verse, and I feel like we taught this verse so wrong in church. Matthew 25, verse, verse 29, it says, To those who will use wealth, what they are given even more will be given and they will have abundance the parable of the talents for so long we were like well done good and faithful servant that's how we're going to enter into heaven when in reality God is trying to teach you about your finances and we get so defensive sometimes don't talk about my finances because then I know you're going to ask me for something Ain't nobody asking you for nothing that's your finances you do what you want but if you start to create in your mind this poverty mindset and it's just like I don't want to give anybody anything going to get stopped up and when it gets stopped up money is called currency for a reason it's supposed to flow it's not supposed to be stopped up so you can swim in it like Scrooge McDuck jump in a bunch of coins you're gonna break your neck that is a tv show and it's a cartoon that is not the life that we were supposed to be meant to live I'll show you that in a second the beauty of this point is that we can apply these things today you can set up and you can actually make a written budget number two get out of debt Number two, get out of debt. Number two, get out of debt. Number two is get out of debt. There is debt, get out of it. That sounds easy, Chino. Yes, get out of it. Watch this. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. Proverbs chapter 22, verse 7. The rich will rule over the poor. I'm going to change it like this. Wells Fargo will rule over the poor. Visa will rule over the poor and the borrower is slaved to the MasterCard. The rich rule over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. The most powerful wealth building tool that you have is your income. The most powerful wealth building tool that you have is your income. And you're taking your income every single time and you're handing it to somebody else who has tons of wealth. They don't need your money. 
Uh, yo, hold on. I'm not telling you to just say, hey, Visa, hey, my pastor said I ain't paying y'all, so I'll holler. Y'all got enough. Yo, I'm not saying that. Don't do that because you, 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 you trust me, you don't want to do that. But begin to work at it. Don't just think that it's something that has to chase you all the time. And it's something that you constantly keep compounding in it. Chino, I'm working on it. I promise you I am. Okay, until you're done, stop adding to it. Until you're done, stop buying food. Stop. No, wait, hold on. Not, not that. Not, not buying food. Stop going out to eat. We got McDonald's at home. You feel me? We got McDonald's at the crib. You feel me? We, ramen soups are good. Throw some chips in that mug. <laughs> stop. I'll make some gulags for our next Friendsgiving. But stop adding to the debt. I'm saying if you, have, if you have debt and you're working on it, but then you're just like, mm, I don't like my car. I want another car. It's a poverty mentality that's always going to tell you that you're always going to be in debt and that you need debt. And then it's like, good debt, bad debt. It's nowhere in scripture are you ever going to find that. Like every time that it talks about debt, it's talking about really bad things. Like, yo, listen, we have a house and we have a mortgage that we have to pay. Every month that I pay towards that, mug, that, that mortgage, there is equity that's being built. So I have money that's being paid back to me. So I'm not living sitting there in debt, but yo, I don't need to buy a $40,000 car unless I'm actually using it. So if I buy a van that costs $40,000 and it costs me $800,000 to pay for a car, eight hundred dollars to pay for a car note but i'm using that van to make four thousand or forty five hundred dollars a month then yo that's actually a tool and i'm actually using it so you have to be smart but yo i'm not going to go to the credit card and buy that shirt from birdines or or, or or macy's because i thought it was cute and i'm like boom i'm about to charge this thing i, I thought the shirt was cute i wanted to wear i've 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 made money i should be able to do that get out of debt bro it's going to always hold you and you become a slave to the borrower. I know when it gets real in my house, when Lydia turns to me and I'm about to buy something and she's like, Chino, we got to buckle down. And Lydia says, hey, we got to buckle down. I know I ain't getting no Gatorades at the gas station. I'm drinking water, my guy. I'm not going to Chick-fil-A. I'm waiting till I eat at the house. I, I fasted and I was okay. I was good. I, was, I didn't die. I was okay. I didn't have to go spend $13 on, a, you know, on some food. Back in the days, it was $3.19. You can get a number one at McDonald's. Now it's like $35 for a hamburger, bro. But you, you got you to gotta make sure. <laughs> exactly. You, you got to make sure that you're getting out of debt, man. You, you can't be worried about what president gets elected. You can't be sitting there thinking to yourself, well, when this president gets elected or this political party comes and this, yo, they're not in charge of your life. You are in charge of your life. You and Jesus can do all things through him who strengthens you. And that is part of it, that you don't just lean on what the government is doing because they're not going to help you. You're in charge of your life, man. What would you do? Ask this question. Write this on your notes because husbands, wives, I would love for you to ask this. Single people, I would love for you to ask this. What could you do if you had no payments to make, how much money could you have? If you had no debt, what could you do with that money? How do you get out of debt? Yo, make sure that you're saving. Make sure you're taking some money to invest. I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Ask yourself, do I need that or do I want that?
Before you go buy some stuff, you got enough clothes. You, 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 can, you can budget correctly and be able to say, this is how much money we're spending for food. I don't need to carry a credit card. I got a debit card which does the same thing and I could pay cash and this is how much cash I have. Once you start debiting, I mean, I'm sorry, once you start budgeting, you'll start learning how to do it. Uh, Dave Ramsey, I was talking to my wife about this this morning. He has a thing called, it's like a compound payoff that you can do where if you have four different debts, pay one off, take the money from that and pay the second one off. Then the money that you were in the two, Take it to the third one and pay it off and you'll start watching how fast you'll come down. We did that and I was, it was insane because I think we said 10 months before we get out of debt. In three months, I think we were completely out of debt. We had no debt outside of a mortgage. Like we were completely, completely debt free. Yo, it feels good when I can walk in a restaurant and fight with Jason Peebles and tell him I'm paying for this, bro. Like I'm paying for this. Or to be able to hang out with people and say, yo, I got this. Like, it just feels good to be generous to people. I'm not worried about when the bill comes because we have been wise stewards. My wife has been wise stewards. I spend all the money. Number three. Number three, foster high-quality relationships. I hope y'all are getting something out of this. Number three, foster high-quality relationships. Watch this. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33. Do not be deceived. Evil company corrupts good manners or good habits. I remember that I've always heard of that scripture and it was always about like, make sure you have good friends because they're going to cause you to sin and you don't want to sin. And I remember a man told me one time, he's like, I can't say it that way. He said, if there's seven people on the corner and they're all sick and they all have a flu and you walk in, are you going to give them your health? And I said, no, they're going to make me sick. And he said, well, exactly. And it just started to make me think, oh, okay, but do you also know that the people that you hang around are always going to influence you? You ever notice that you had a best friend and you guys say the same stupid words? You thought it was stupid when they were saying it. Like, why do you keep saying that? But then all of a sudden you started saying it. Husbands, wives, we know it's the same thing. And they start saying stuff and you, you start learning it. You go to different cultures and they say the same words because they're always around each other because they influence each other so much. You know that we're very careful about who we let our kids hang out with. We're very careful about what we let our kids listen to and watch. But yet we have our own standard for ourselves. Dang, it got real quiet just then. It got real quiet. We wouldn't let our kids hang with little Johnny the weed head because, bro, you ain't coming home high. I will kill you and I will make another one that looks just like you. Amen. In Jesus' name. Take that off the tape because I don't want no evidence. Think it's a game? But if I'm honest with you, the people that are around you are the people that influence you the most. You start looking like them. You start talking. You start dressing. I never wore no skinny jeans until I had anything with people who wore skinny jeans. I was like, I'm Cuban. I got thick thighs. I can't do that. It doesn't fit right. But then I started wearing them and I was like, oh, I could pull this off. And once my wife said, you look cute in them, it was a wrap. I'm a skinny jeans guy. I could care less. Who thinks? I, she said I look good. I'm a happy man. Watch this. Charlie Jones or Charles Jones says, Charles Jones says, five years from now, you'll be the same person except for the people you meet and the books you read. How much is Netflix pouring into your life? High quality relationships. It doesn't have to be men and women that are flesh and blood that you know in your life. It can be influential people that have written incredible bodies of art by way of books, audio books, and you can actually spend time with them and learn from these people. How much time are you spending on Instagram, Facebook? Mark Zuckerberg ain't doing nothing for you, bro. Mark ain't doing nothing for you. But you can read a John Collins good to great and your life can actually change. 
You can start reading things from Dave Ramsey. You can start reading some stuff that can actually help you foster high quality relationships. Studies have shown that in 10 years, your income will become 10 to 20% the average of the people that are around you. 10 to 20% of the people that are around you, your income will become the very same as those people that you have around you. If everybody around you is at $100,000 and those are the people that you have, you can have friends. Yo, listen to me. You can have friends, but the people that I hang with that are part of my inner circle, yo, I'm going to do everything I can so that we can be built up. I'm not going to sit around with a bunch of people. I'm never going to take health advice from a fat person. I'm done. If I'm honest with you though, these are things that have been affecting me in my own personal life lately. Because I've sat here, and as a young guy, I was impressed with the stars. Like, I was like, yo, people who have a name and ministry and all this, like, I was so impressed with them, and I wanted to talk to them. I wanted to be in their life. Like, I wanted them to pour into my life. And now, as I've gotten older, I really don't care about those people. I'm more interested in watching that person that is an old person, that all three of their kids are in ministry, or all three of their kids are successful. I'm interested in watching, like, a guy like Jason Peebles, whose daughter is, I mean, an absolute genius loves the Lord, serves the church. We've been trying to steal her for a long time, but she won't leave her church. But, but man, that's what impresses me now. What impresses me is watching people who actually did something with their family. So I think it's huge for us to do that, man. Make sure that you're praying for your kids and their relationships too. That's just a side note that you can have there. Yo, number one, create a budget. Number two, get out of debt. Number three, what was number three? Foster. Foster. High quality relationships. Number three is right there. Foster high quality relationships. No, exactly. I just want to see if y'all were listening. And number four? Save and invest. Number four, save and invest. Proverbs chapter 21, verse 20. It says, precious treasure and oil are in the wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Precious oil and treasure are in a wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. I want to show you something biblically right now. Oil was significant. It was, it was a, a picture of the Holy Spirit. It was used to anoint kings. But in the modern workplace, in the modern world, oil was used as currency. So we have blue faces and we have paper money that was now. In those days, if you had oil, it meant that you actually had some money. Not only was oil a picture of the money, but the food that you ate. In the Mediterranean, during that time, all that was eaten was like hummus, little patties, that's all they were doing right there. Olives, they were eating fruits. They weren't eating. People who ate meat were rich in their eyes. There was only two social economic classes. It was the rich people and it was the poor people. And if you ate the olives and the hummus and stuff like that, you were part of the poor people. And if you ate the actual steak and what we eat today, spices and all of these different things and we have sweet drinks, those people who had it, those people were rich. Listen to what the Bible is telling you. The Bible is saying precious money are in the wise man's dwelling, but the foolish man devours it. Meaning that when you save your money, when you actually take time and not spend it or devour it on everything, well, I got $100 in, how can I spend that $100? Don't think that way. Think to yourself, yo, I have has everything, yo, please understand me. I'm not telling you to don't go on a date night, don't go spend money, and like, I'm not saying that. Please understand me. But bro, if you broke and you owe four different credit card companies and you know you have bills up to here and you get an extra $100, I know it hurts you, but throw that extra $100 into the debt. Clear that junk because it's not about what you did. $100 doesn't do anything. Cool. It's a mindset. A poverty mindset tells you my $100, I'm finna go ball out. We going to Chick-fil-A or like we're going to Longhorn. Like we're going to go hang out. 
And little by little, $100 plus another $100 plus another $100 actually starts taking you out of debt. But when you have a poverty mindset, you're just like, I'm just going to spend this money. Yo, my hope and my desire is you will actually see these things. Take some time and save some money for rainy days. Y'all remember that? Is that still a thing? Do we say that? Like rainy days, emergency funds? Like take some times where like, yo, listen, you're going to get in an accident. It's it just going to happen. Your son is going to cross you over and you're going to break your Achilles. Like, I mean, it just, it, it is what it is. Like, you're going to, you're going to, it's going to. That's a story I heard. I, I read it on USA Today. It was a story I heard. It was a story I heard. But you're going to, listen, you're going to get it. There's going to be an accident that happens. There's going to be something that happens to your health. Hey, listen, come back. You might lose a job. Chino, you're being so negative. I'm going to be positive. I'm positive that something's going to happen to you. Like, I'm positive that something's going to happen. I'm positive the gas prices are going to go so high that you're not going to want to come to church and you're going to watch online because you don't want to spend $50 on gas. If you save some money there, those moments won't affect you. Those moments won't affect you because you'll be able to say, okay, here we go. I got this. Like, I've been able to save for that. And if you create that, it gives you a different mindset. I promise you, man. Because what happens is that we begin to think to ourselves. I, I think I was talking about this with my wife. or I was talking to somebody about this. Jason, I don't know if I was talking to you about it. But I, we, we have this thought. And we think that if we work for 60, you know, when we're 67, I think that's the retirement age now. Is it 67, 65? We think that when we get to that age, all of a sudden, the government, who has managed finances so well in our world, who is not in trillions of dollars of debt, the government is going to take care of you. And you're going to get a check that your retirement, you're paying for, and they're going to give it to you. And, and when you get there, so many of my friends that I have talked to, they have had the rug slipped from under them and they're 65, 70 years old having to work because they thought that they were going to take care of them. But then the business and then the government and then the political thing that they were, they sat out there and they were bashing everybody on Facebook. Now their political party didn't really help them the way that they thought. Yo, your life is in your hands, bro. You have to make sure that you're the one that's investing. You're the one that's thinking about your future. I'm not worried about the government coming in and sweeping and being a hero in my life. They have not been able to take care of themselves. How do I think they're going to take care of me, bro? Like, how does that even work? You have to start thinking to yourself, yo, I got to make sure that I have a long-term plan. That I don't put my faith in a man, but that I actually put my faith in God, but that I actually have a plan that I save and invest. It's, it's not, a government is not going to help you. And, and listen to me, I'm not speaking against any political party or none of that. Because me and Lydia, we've lost everything under both political parties. But we've been the most financially blessed in our life under both political parties. I mean, it doesn't matter. It's what we do with our finances. It's how we save, how we manage, how we budget that's been able to bless us. Not what a man or a woman is dictating from an Oval Office or in a crowded room with a bunch of people dictating what the finances are going to be. Like, yo, before you know it, you're going to find yourself trusting something that is not real. I ain't trying to give nobody anything. I want to keep it. I want to keep for my family. But the Bible says in the last verse, Precious treasure and oil are in the wise man's dwelling, but a foolish man devours it. Be careful that you don't devour everything that you have. Be careful that you're smart in the way that you're investing. The national average for a vehicle right now, the national average for a vehicle right now, a new car, a monthly car payment right now is $700, $695. The national average for a brand new car, people are paying $700 right now. For a used car, they're paying $465 a month. 
That's the national average of what people are paying right now with a car. I don't have the time, because nuns, I, I don't have the time right now to explain to you. There is a thing called interest that I haven't accrued or I haven't put into there. And interest just means I let you borrow my money, I'm charging you rent for it. If you keep it for a month, my money, you're going to pay me this much for a month. The actual, if you buy a car right now, and the car, let's just say you're spending $30,000 on it, and you don't know what an ARP is, or you don't know what your interest rate is, that one little $30,000 car, you can end up spending $50,000 purchasing that car. You just gave $20,000 to people that don't need your money. People that don't need your money. Yo, I'm trying to help y'all, bro. I promise you, you're giving money to people that don't need your money. When in reality, you can say, yo, I can get something that's a little bit cheaper. I can talk to Amos. Me and him could get on Facebook Marketplace, find something really good. I could check it and have something that'll last me another five years. I might not be the talk of the town, but honestly, the people you're trying to impress, they don't like you anyway. You, could, you, could, you should have conversations with Alfonso. Alfonso has great thoughts on these, but yo, just something as easy as if you take $500 and, for the, and for, for, from the age of 30 to 70, 40 years, you can put that in a growth mutual fund. You can walk away after 40 years with $5.6 million. And all you did was once a month, instead of paying that car, you get putting $500 in this investment fund. I mean... There's just so many things that we could do, man. And we just live in this poverty mindset, man. It's like we don't even think those things because I got to get out of debt. I'm not thinking about saving and investing. I'm not thinking about Bitcoin. You see it online. I'm, I'm not telling you about Bitcoin. God bless y'all. Y'all figure that out on your own. I'm not advertising any of that. But it's like you sit here and you're thinking to yourself and you're just like, I can't invest any of that stuff. Like, yo, I'm in debt so far. I ain't got no money. The money that I have, I need to put into debt. Good. Get out of debt and then start thinking like that. Don't live in this poverty mindset that thinks that debt is going to keep accumulating in your life. That's not the way this thing works. And that's not the way that it has to work. And number five, I'm not going to take too long on this. But number five is be generous. Be generous. This is what we taught, man. We've been teaching this for the last two weeks. And hopefully you can get it. You got to make a budget. You got to get out of debt. You got to foster high quality relationships. You have to invest. But man, if you're not generous, I promise you, your world is just going to stay smaller. The richest people have a thought and it's called philanthropy. And philanthropy just means that they're just giving money away. That's outside of the church. The church is extra generous. Watch this. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 11, verse 24, the world of the generous gets, y'all can say the word, larger and larger. The world of the generous gets larger and larger the world of the stingy gets smaller, smaller. smaller a pastor and a preacher and a church guy didn't write that that was proverbs chapter 11 verse 24 the world of the generous gets larger and larger the world of the stingy gets smaller and smaller i want you to understand this generosity is not what you do it's a spirit so i've already we've taught about the 10 percent and you know what you're supposed to do with your tithe. I, I hope that you got it. If you didn't go back next week and listen to it, Robert Morris did an amazing job. I'm not talking about you giving finances. I'm talking about the generous spirit. Generosity is being, gen, generosity is a spirit. It's the people that when somebody is walking up to a door, you open the door first. When somebody drops something on the floor, you're quick to go try to pick it up. You don't just look and be like, oh yeah, you're going to figure that out by yourself. They're the ones that are actually trying to help somebody. They're the ones that when they go sit down at a restaurant, they're thinking to themselves, I don't want to add up what 15% is. I want to give them 20 or better. Like I want to bless this person. I don't know what this person is dealing with. I even just want to know who they are. But when you're in debt, 
when you're living in a poverty mindset, when you have all of these things that are just bounding you and you're just living in that, you can't even think about being generous to people. But how much can you do if you didn't have a payment, bro? Think about that for a second. How generous could you be in somebody's life? Yo, I live, anybody who knows me, if you've ever been with me anywhere to eat anything, my number one joy in life is to make the worst waiter, the worst waiter the happiest person. Like if you got a face and you're like, yeah, what else you want? Like I'm going to make you happy. Like I'm going to make you laugh. Like my job and I want to make people. And sometimes that's just, I'm going to be generous. I, I go to eat sometimes with Jason Peebles and Jason is probably one of the, he's probably a lot more generous than me. And they love him. They see him. They know exactly what he's going to eat. Salmon with some ketchup and some, and, and, some and some fries and a Diet Coke. They already know. Hey, Mr. Jason, how you doing? Everybody want to fight to go to him. Why is it that on Sundays, waiters don't even want to work? Because on Sundays is the day where tons of people go eat. They shouldn't be making tons of tips. But on Sundays is the day that everybody's like, yo, I don't want to work on Sundays because Christians are so cheap. It's hard to give if you're broke, if you're tight, if you're living on stuff. If I'm honest with you, it's, if you don't have a plan, if you're in debt, if you don't have good relationships, if you don't save and invest, it's hard for you to be able to do any of these things or to be able to be generous when you're living through all of these things. But man, my hope and my desire is that you would take the things that we learned today, that you can understand, man, that you can break the back of poverty over your family, that you can create a legacy where your children's children are teaching each other, hey, we got a budget as a family. Hey, we don't pay things that we don't need on credit. Like, it's just not the way that we do it. We're gonna start this thing off right. Parents, some of y'all, me and my wife were sitting there talking about it today. We were talking about how, not today, this week, we were talking about how to give the kids like cards so that they can manage their finances and teach them how to budget, teach them how to tithe, teach them how to do all these things so that they can grow and they can teach their children's children. When it comes to finances, man, I feel like the church is so ignorant to this stuff. We tend to just keep it and a pastor is scared to say it because people are like, you just want money. No, man, I want the best for you. I don't want nothing from you. Like that's our thought, that's our process, that's the way that we live, bro. And if you can understand this thing, you can teach your children's children to break the back of poverty over your life. And poverty, and listen to me, poverty is not just how much money you have. You have billionaires that will park their $130,000 cars and not give a tip because they got a poverty mindset. I'm not telling you that this is just because you're rich or you're poor. This is a mindset, bro. It's a way of thinking. I explained and I gave you six different things that you can ask yourself. Go back and listen to the tape. Ask yourself, yo, do I think that way? Like, is it, is it some stuff in my mind that I'm actually thinking when I hear it that I'm like, oh, those are things that you have to ask yourself. The greatest evidence that we have in life when it comes to generosity, when it comes to stewardship, when it comes to whatever we give out, but also what we keep in, the way that we manage the finances, the greatest example that we have in scripture is God. God didn't keep back his son. He didn't have to. He already gave a word and he said, don't do this. Man decided to do what God told him not to do. At that point, there was a contract that was established and that was broken. The contract has been annulled. If you have or you go into business with a person and you sign a contract and you tell them, hey, I'm going to rent your property for the next 12 months and this is how much money. And if after six months you decide to yourself, yo, I'm not going to do this. Like, I'm straight. Like, I don't, I want to leave. I'm going to go move in with my mom again. At that moment, 
there is a consequence because you severed a contract like you have to pay sometimes you have to pay month and a half sometimes you got to go to litigation sometimes it's going to take you a long time to get that even off your credit report because you've had this issue where you broke a contract and a lease a contract was established in the garden of eden with jesus it was god who established a contract with adam and eve you're going to be with me and we're going to be together. Sin entered into the picture and that contract was annulled. The crazy part about it is that when he annulled that contract, when he broke that contract, instead of putting the consequences on us, eternal death, he put it on his son. He said, in Genesis chapter 3, I'm going to bring the seed and the seed is going to bruise the head of, or it's going to step on the head of the serpent and he's going to bruise his heel, but I am going to defeat death. And here's what he said, I told you, don't eat from the tree, you're going to die. They did die physically, but do you know that after physically, we live spiritually and we're going to live forever. The decision is your where you live at, but there's another life after this. It, it, eternity has never come into perspective in my mind as much as when my mom passed away. That I was able to think, yo, there's a real heaven. Like I have this assuredness. I know that I'm going to see my mom again. Like she's in heaven. I know that she's there. I can't even explain it to you. But I know that there's something that happens the moment that you take this last breath here. That contract was severed. Satan destroyed that. Me and you were supposed to spend life in eternity outside of God. We were supposed to die and be in hell for all of eternity. But Jesus came. God gave Jesus out of his generosity for him to die on a tree he didn't die for us he died as us we should have been the ones on the tree he died for us and he died as us and in that very moment the contract was flipped everything we did bad got placed on Jesus and everything that Jesus has done good got placed on us it is by grace that we are saved yo when we talk about the greatest giver in the world it's God right. he didn't have to save you he didn't have to find you where you are in your mess. He didn't have to find a 19-year-old kid in prison facing more time than he can ever have or ever live out and save that kid. What use do I have to the creator of the heavens and the earth? Like, I didn't know anything. I wasn't a Christian. I didn't know the Bible. I didn't know Hillsong. I didn't know John P. Key. Kirk Franklin, I knew because he was playing on Power 96 and 99 Jams. <laughs> but I didn't know any of this stuff. But yet God would look at me and say, you, you're worth it. Before you were ever born, Jeremiah chapter 1 verse 5, it says, when you were in your mother's womb, I was forming you. I was thinking about you. Yo, for us to ever be ever generous or givers or anything, man, God already took the first step. The Bible says in Romans chapter 5 that he who knew, knew no sin, I mean, I'm sorry, that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's, that's generosity. That means if somebody asked you for $5 and told you they were going to pay you back on Tuesday, and then they went into your bank account and took all of your money that you would actually come back on Wednesday and that you would give them another five dollars insane how many times we lie to God how many times we break God's heart how many times he gives us grace and we just take the grace and then we take more grace and then we take I'm never gonna do this again God and we take more grace and we take more grace and you know what he does he keeps giving you grace because he's generous he can't help because he is generosity, because he is love. This is the God that we serve. Not a license for you to sin, but a license for you to repent and understand how generous he is and live the life that he called you to live. Would you do me a favor? Would you bow your head and close your eyes for just a second? Thanks for listening to our podcast today. The mission of Greater Church is to reach and empower all people. 
we hope that this message met you wherever you find yourself on the journey. If God is using this ministry to impact your life, please head to our website at www.greater.church where you can read a message from our pastors, partner with us by giving online, and learn more about what is happening in the life of our church. Don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and follow us on all social media.